0: Starting with the family style fifties, to the rock and roll sixties, to the anything goes seventies and eighties, the drive-in movie, saw it all. I call this one, let's rock the Fort Rock again. Garth Brooks will be appearing at a drive-in theater near you. In a recent announcement, Garth has planned a concert to be simultaneously broadcast to drive-in theaters all over the country. Unfortunately for us, there are no drive-ins near us. The closest one I know of is in Shelby, North Carolina. If there's a close one of those cinematic relics, it's off my radar. For those of you under the age of 35, a drive-in theater was a big screen at one end of a field. The field had parking places for cars and metal posts holding speakers beside each parking place. The metal speakers were the size of a popcorn box. They were attached by coiled wires, so they could be hung on the inside of the car windows. The sound from those speakers was terrible. I believe that the intention was to keep teens from stealing them. Despite their clunky size, occasionally a forgetful or frustrated driver would drive away either pulling the speaker wire loose or breaking out a window. I did know a guy in high school who had two drive-in speakers installed on a shelf under the rear window of his 1963 black Ford. He was usually alone in the car. In the early 1950s, for many families, a night at a child-friendly movie was quite a treat. Families sat in the comfort of their cars and watched the movie, with Dad behind the wheel and Mom riding shotgun. Kids would sit or stand in the back seat and try to see over the front seat. There were no headrests in, so it was possible to see between mom and dad. A low building in the center of the field held a projector and a concession stand. If hungry customers forgot and walked across in front of the building, their shadow would block out part of the movie. This always brought a volley of yells, whistles, and honking horns from the occupants of the cars. Concession stands sold the usual theater fare of popcorn, fountain drinks, and goobers and many had a grill for hot dogs and hamburgers. Some drive-in movies even had a playground area with swing sets and seesaws just below the screen. Younger kids could play or sit and watch the screen while mom and dad enjoyed a few minutes of privacy in the car. What a great way to get out of the house on a summer evening. Then kids got cars. In the middle of the 1950s, Teenagers began earning enough money to buy old cars, and the drive-in shifted its paradigm in a big way. Often, groups of friends would pack themselves into a car for a night at the movie. Since many theaters charged by the head, it became common for teens to hide in the trunk until they got past the box office, and then pop out and crowd into the car. It was always fun for the driver to forget they were in the trunk for a few hilarious minutes. It didn't take long for teen Romeos to put Park and Dark together and realize the benefits of two unchaperoned hours with their girlfriend of choice. While in-vehicle body contact is difficult with divided seats in a center console, most cars in the 50s and 60s had bench seats in the front and back. Some girls rode so close to the driver that a standing joke was, that driver in front of us has two heads. Drive-in movie fair has changed, too. Family movies gave way to teens-gone-wrong movies like Rebel Without a Cause and science fiction classics like War of the Worlds or Them. The big draw was, of course, the horror movies. There's nothing like the werewolf or Creature from the Black Lagoon to narrow the distance between a boy and his date. Double dates were common, with warnings of keep your eyes to the front, The most physically active couple always claimed the back seat, and it was sometimes completely awkward when the front seat couple were feeling no chemistry, but the back seat was rocking. There were two drive-in movies on Cherry Road, The Auto, which was across from where Sullivan Middle School is now, and The Fort Rock, which was across from the Selenese plant near the Thomas Spratt Memorial Bridge. As television programming got better, and the VCR brought movies into the home, drive-in theaters had to start changing their target audiences. As drive-in attendance waned, a tarnished hero came along to save them for a little while. The 1970s and 80s were a wild and woolly time with the sex, love, rock and roll culture and the recreational drug culture exploding onto the scene and just in time to save drive-ins onto the big screen. The Triple X movie revived the drive-in theater. During my senior year at St. Andrews in Larnburg, I had a friend who owned a house with a backyard that adjoined the local Triple X drive-in. On warm weekends, he would put out lawn chairs in the backyard and invite friends over for drinks and a movie. They didn't even have to listen to the dialogue. I thought he was the luckiest man alive. Of course, I only went over as a courtesy and in the vein of a former president who confessed to smoking marijuana but not inhaling, I only watched with one eye. While a tornado took out the auto drive-in, the Fort Rock managed to stay alive by becoming the area's Triple X Emporium. In the light of our current culture, I cannot explain how Triple X became mainstream, but facts are facts, and the facts of life could be viewed every week right up on the giant screen. For a while, before the theater put up walls to block the view, Quite a lot of facts could be seen if one drove very slowly down Cherry Road. Of course, that's just hearsay. Sadly for the drive-in theaters, even Triple X was taken from them, first by videotape and then by online Triple X websites. A few theaters have limped along over the years, showing Kid Fair early and monster horror movies later in the evening. Their star may be ascending. With Garth Brooks' Blasting out over the box speakers, now replaced by online radio reception, there just may be hope. What better way to social distance than to watch a concert from the comfort of your family SUV or on a lawn chair in the back of your pickup truck? Too bad we lost the Fort Rock. The Garth Brooks concert would go over in a big way in this area. I might even catch a bit of it myself as I drive slowly down Cherry Road.